Welcome to another episode of Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie, and let's get into it. All right, let's get into some submitted stories from the Facebook page. We start off with the first one. Creepy stories from psych ward workers, they're coming for you. I was working an overnight shift on an Alzheimer's ward at a nursing home. It was about 2.30 a.m. and I was making my rounds, peeking into the rooms to make sure the patients were where they should be. I went into one room and this 83-year-old woman was sitting straight up in her bed, staring at the wall. I slowly walked into the room and calmly asked if she wanted to lie back down. She turned her head slowly, looked me right in the eye, and said, They're coming for you, dear. Then she started laughing. I'm talking full-on, hysterical, insane cackling. I almost pissed myself right there. She finally calmed down, and I got her to lie down in her bed. When she was just about to go back to sleep, she looked at me again and said, I'm going to miss you when they take you, and then went right back to sleep. I was terrified for the rest of the night. All right, cool story. Abandoned in 705, I'm assuming 1705, by the Pritchard family, and made the basis of a popular horror film when the lights went out, 30 East Drive is said to be haunted by one of the most violent poltergeists in the world. The property is now an active B&B, where thrill-seekers can spend the night and experience mobile phones draining and malfunctioning, objects being thrown, and keys going missing. Diane, the daughter of the Pritchard family, was apparently terrorized here for years. Alright. Why is black the dress of mourning? Before the Romans invaded England, the way was burning pyre for people of high regard. But when the Romans invaded and actually won this time, they had a deep superstition about the spirits of the dead coming back to wreak havoc, so they decided graves should be outside the cities, and their superstitions were so great they wore black robes for these funerals. The wearing of black was significant as black garments were thought to confer invisibility upon the bereaved, protecting them from vengeful spirits. Submitted. I was listening to your episode on the Fae, which I very much believe in, when I suddenly got very tired. I closed my eyes and groggily opened them again, briefly catching movement across the room. It looked like a tiny bat and was flying by the my window, in the room. I opened my eyes all the way, and it disappeared. I was overwhelmed by sleepiness and fell asleep for hours in the middle of the day. I also, or I always see things move out of the corner of my eyes, and always think, yep, that's the fae that live here. Alright. I want to share one of my experiences that I've had though I've had quite a few. This was in 86, I believe. My first one, and I was 16 at the time, and went to visit my sister for the summer. 
I was there for only 24 hours, and her husband had a car accident with their two friends with him, and they all passed away. Shortly after that, I was lying in their bed to go to sleep, and I heard a man's voice. It said, Someone talk to me. Someone talk to me now. And then I heard a growl. I didn't answer and was a little freaked out. And I got up and went into the living room where my sister was, but didn't say anything to her because I didn't want to upset or scare her. I waited till the next day and told her. She called someone a priest or something and explained what happened. She said he told us to pray and tell it to go away, which we did and had no more experiences with it after that. I think of this every once in a while and just curious to if this was really her husband's spirit or something else. Very spooky. There's a creepy urban legend about a shack called the Devil's Toy Box, supposedly located in Louisiana. It is said that people who go in there certainly lose their minds. Very creepy. The Mist My father passed in our family home. My mother used to talk about strange wisps of mist that would rise from their bed in the afternoon. I was in another country at the time and got her to look for things like, could it be the electric blanket, could it be the air freshener, etc. Over the phone, putting it down to all sorts of normal day-to-day things. Stupid me. When she passed away, I had to sort out the family home. All the furniture was out, the electricity and water was off. As I took one last look through the house that last afternoon, what did I see rising up from where my parents' bed would have been? But what could be described by me as a white smoke? What mom had called mist. I couldn't explain it away. All right. I see a lot of sleep paralysis stories on this page, so I wanted to share my story with you guys too. I had a sleep paralysis type situation once where I woke up to a demon sitting on top of my on top of me trying to wrestle with me and push me down into a deeper sleep where I could no longer defend myself. It looked almost invisible or translucent basically. Kind of like the predator's camo in the movies. I could see its outline and some of its facial features. Its face looks sort of like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, except more evil and sinister. I told it to be gone in the name of Jesus. However, it replied with a raspy, growl-like voice, saying, That doesn't work here. So, it was on top of me, basically straddling me, while trying to push me down using my shoulders. It felt like I was... It was trying to push me down into a deeper sleep, while I pushed back trying to wake up. I put wake up in quotations because I don't think I was really asleep, at least not fully. I could see everything around me exactly as it normally looks. So I think I was caught in a dimension more or less, that is, between a sleep realm and reality. I kept fighting it and eventually broke free and fully regained consciousness. However, even as I sat there awake, I felt like something was still in my mind, trying to cause me to fall back to sleep. I felt like I was fighting that urge to sleep, to sit there and nod out so it could attack me again. I never did, thank God. 
It was so weird because I was thinking about going to church the next morning and had plans to get up and go. I decided to take a little snooze beforehand, though, and that was my mistake. It was really late that night, so I was considering staying up all night, then going. But I gave in and crashed. Guess I should have stayed up. I'm still fascinated by that thing telling me that trying to cast it out or drive it away in Jesus' name doesn't work there for some reason. Where is there exactly? Why doesn't it work there? What exactly was it? A demon? If so, then what kind? A Freddy Krueger-like sleep demon? I don't know. Very spooky. Alright. Let's see. Trying to see all of the submitted ones. Alright. Have you heard this one? I only heard it last week. I love a good ghost story, and this one is better than most. In 1970, a boy was born in Sevierville, Tennessee. His family owned the local, local lumber mill, and they lived in a historic home. His name was Jonathan Trotter. When Jonathan was 14, he helped his father deliver lumber to the local church. While he was there, he met and fell in love with the minister's daughter, Rebecca Dawson. The two of them became like one. They both truly loved each other. By now it was 1984. Problem, this was a small town in the south, and Jonathan was white and Rebecca was black. Their families had no problem with their relationship. However, some of the other people in town did. They did not feel the same way. There were three girls that Jonathan attended high school with. Their names were Tanya, Christy, and Michelle. They were the mean girls, pampered and spoiled and entitled. Each of them believed that they had the right to Jonathan as their boyfriend and eventual husband. They all saw him as the best catch in town. They each were also terrible racists that thought just because they were white, they had a God-given right not only to him, but everything else they wanted. They competed for his affection. They fought with each other over which of the three would end up with him. Jonathan didn't pay them any attention. He had Rebecca. He was happy. The summer before senior year started, he proposed to Rebecca, and she said yes. He was over the moon. Rebecca was very naive. She was the minister's daughter. She was homeschooled and extremely overprotected. She was also far, far too, too trusting. When Christy, Michelle, and Tanya found out about their engagement, they were enraged. Their bitterness grew until they couldn't stand it one more minute. One day, two of them hid in the woods while the other girl lured Rebecca into the woods. They strangled her with a rope and left her body there. It was six days before they found her. Tanya had accidentally lost her class ring near the body. Her initials were engraved on the inside of the band. It did not take police long to figure out who did it. All three of them went to prison until the age of 25. Jonathan was so grief-stricken, he shot himself in the head. He was dead at 17. However, he remained earthbound as a vengeful spirit. The newborn wraith waited for his revenge. He could have killed them right away, but he decided to let them serve their time in jail first. Let them suffer as long as possible before he killed them. When the girls were released, he killed them all by breaking their necks. They say he is still earthbound. He walks the earth, especially the southern part of the U.S. 
He looks for people like the girls who killed precious Rebecca. When he finds them, he kills them. Also by breaking their necks. It's also said that if you need protection against the same kind of people that killed Rebecca, all you have to do is pray to Jonathan Trotter. The avenging spirit of Sevierville, Tennessee. He will make your problems with them go away. He will break their necks. I definitely don't <laughs> recommend praying to any vengeful spirits. It's a little disclaimer. <laughs> All right. 19th century Detroit, the mansion, the hot mansion in Brush Park, Michigan, which was an upscale brothel in its 1940s heyday. Years after it closed, a number of dead bodies were found in the basement. The torsos and chests of the victims were marked with a perfectly round circle. Alright, I suffer from sleep paralysis quite often, but a few nights ago I woke up and the room was cold. I felt very weak, and I could feel something lying next to me in the bed. I was half awake and a bit confused, so I said, Can you please leave? Typically, when I feel like there's something in my room, I ask it to leave, and it does. Even if there isn't actually anything there, it alleviates my anxiety. However, I then hear a voice, now not next to me on the bed, but in the middle of the room, go, fine, I can go to someone else's house. It didn't seem like the voice of a typical human, not dark and demonic, but somewhat cold and gravelly, and it was a female. It was a feminine voice. I asked, what is your name? And it said, mind your own business, and left. It hasn't been back since. I'm not sure if this is some sort of waking dream or what. I did feel very weak and paralyzed, like I usually do in sleep paralysis. But I was unable to speak somehow, and I immediately regained strength once it left. In 1938, Bouncing Bertha was a new hit was not a new hit song. It was the name given to a young girl whose bed seemed to be haunted by poltergeist activity. People flocked from all around to witness the phenomenon, many including the wife of famous magician Harry Houdini claimed it was a hoax created by the girl. Her family insisted it was not. That doesn't belong to you. Written by Morton Otwell Gordneck. In the year 1893, Jackson, Tennessee, there stood an old house on Madison Street. For years it had been vacant and was known by local citizens to be quite haunted. Several grown men had recently been frightened when they saw a woman in a shining white robe through one of the windows during the night. It was said the figure passed along the floor as if it were floating and settled down on an old piano bench and started to play a tune. This event would happen nightly as neighbors watched from a distance. The owner of the home hired six strong men from the neighborhood to move out all the furniture for renovations. Everything was moved out accordingly, except a large ancient piano. The men struggled to move the piano to the door, and no matter how hard they tried to lift it or push, it would not go out the door. The door was certainly wide enough for the piano to fit, but some unseen force would not let it pass. When the man decided when the men decided to step away from the piano and take a break, something startling happened. The piano moved on its own back to the original location. It was moved three more times and each time it moved back again. 
One of the neighbors came over to see what the trouble was all about and told them about the woman in the white robe that played the piano at night. It belongs to her, the man said. She can have it, agreed all of the men, jumping into the moving truck and leaving it behind. The men never returned to the home and considered the job finished. After a few years, in 1893, another strange occurrence took place in the Arctic. During the expedition of Lieutenant Peary, it was said that the men were searching for skeletons from a group of Arctic Highlanders. The skeletons of this tribe were very rare, and the group had promised to bring back six of them to the Chicago World's Fair in exchange for more grant money for future expeditions. The expedition crew tried to deal with the Eskimos and buy some of the skeletons, but they were a very superstitious people and said the skeletons were not to leave the island. Their efforts were fruitless, so they resulted to grave robbery and loaded 13 of the Arctic Highlander skeletons onto their boat and set sail. As the men stood on the deck at night and admired the beautiful colors of the northern lights, one of the men spotted an Eskimo boat rowing alongside them. They thought this impossible, as they were 50 miles from shore, and there was no way they could travel that far so quickly in one of their small boats. The men called out to the Eskimos, urging them to turn back and not to come aboard their vessel. Suddenly the boat disappeared and could not be seen by the other, on the other side. Hare stood up upon the crew members' arms as they heard a terrible mournful wail coming from the inside of the boat. Suddenly, six Eskimos came from the hatch and walked silently across the deck, their dark, lifeless eyes fixed on each of the frozen crew members as they seemed to float by them slowly. And when they reached the end of the boat, they all disappeared, leaving no trace of ever being present. When the expedition arrived back home, they opened the 13 bags which contained the Eskimo skeletons and were shocked to see the six of the skulls had disappeared. The bags that contained the skulls had been sealed and undisturbed prior to opening them. It seemed that the six ghosts decided to take back what was theirs. None of the crew could ever explain the spooky incident. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okubi from Japanese Folklore. Okubi are little threats to humans. Their most common activity is to fly around harassing people, grinning at them, blowing away their umbrellas, or otherwise scaring them. According to some accounts, if an okubi breathes on any body part, that part will become inflamed. However, stories about serious injuries or death are rare to non-existent. Disasters are often attributed to the okubi. Okubi are otherwise harmless and will disappear soon after the first sighting. They are thought to be sky spirits who protect the skies or people who, who died during a natural disaster. 
They are said to protect people from the natural disasters and protect the sky from demonic sky spirits. It is said if one does not pay respect for the Okubi, they will be turned into sky spirits and their face will appear in the sky immediately. Those who do not pay respect are set are said to get good fortune and gifts. Usually, they appear as a huge face of a woman or man in the sky. There are stories from certain provinces and prefectures. Sometimes, these stories are passed down from elders to children. There is a certain story from Iwaki Prefecture about a face of Okubi appearing in the sky when a tsunami was going to hit a small town. It was a stormy day in a small Japanese town. A tsunami was about to hit while everyone had to stay in. But before then, a face of a beautiful woman appeared. One man shouted, It's an Okubi. That meant the tsunami was about to hit. It washed everything away and knocked over trees, but nobody was hurt. Everyone paid respects to the Okubi for protecting them. There's another story about a man who married an Okubi. On a misty, windy, blistering day, a man working in the mountains encountered a beautiful woman that approached him and said, Can I come and stay in your place? The man accepted the woman's pleasing words. Later, they got married and had a child. But one day, the woman said, I must return to the skies now. A very cool legend. All right. I have a few stories from people that submitted for some Kentucky stories. So this is Hell's Gates, a.k.a. Casey Cemetery. have had several experiences here. This cemetery sits far back off the main road, and you wouldn't know it was there if you weren't led to it. Overall, eerie spot to be always, to be anyways, much less at night. I've had car trouble truck wouldn't start after spending some time out there was like no power to the truck at all dead in the water several instances of seeing shadow people along the edges of the cemetery itself the three big trees in the middle several years ago a young man i think i read he was 19 or so at the time hung himself from the middle tree along the back edge is a path that goes on to private land where a supposed witch's grave lies they buried her outside the confines of the cemetery due to the beliefs of satanic witchcraft at the time. Last thing that stands out is the ritual burn pit off to the side in a clearing in the woods, where it's said that several times a year people gather to practice witchcraft to this day. Overall, a very cool, calm, spooky place to visit. Alright, one of the stories that was submitted is actually a friend of mine's home. <laughs> but it was submitted by someone else in the community. The house by the boat shop next to Skaterama is haunted. I've seen weird stuff there before. Well, my mom was there more than me at the time I was in college and worked, but she said it was two old ladies, the ghosts. They would take the knobs off of cabinet doors and the knobs would come rolling into the living room from the bathroom. Also, the beaded light bulb strings that would look like someone smacked it and it would ding against the light bulbs especially if i was talking to someone about there being ghosts 
The dogs would randomly bark in the middle of the night when it was very quiet and dark, and they would both look in the same direction and bark at the same time like they could see something. My room was upstairs in the attic, but I never slept there because I was too scared. I would leave things sitting a certain way and come back and they would be moved. A lot of people have wrecked, have wrecked and died in front of that house too. I wish I could find the people who live there now. Looks like they added panel to the outside. Wow. While ago though. Very cool story. Let's see. The deadly history of this Michigan mansion is terrifying but true. Michigan is home to its fair share of spooky, bizarre, haunted places. But many of our famous ghost stories can be explained away by science or reason. However, there's one historic home in the Great Lakes state that holds a truly frightening past. Which makes its paranormal significance extra creepy. This haunted mansion in Michigan might just be the real deal. The Bruce Mansion is located at uh, 5977 North Van Dyke Road in Brown City, Michigan. The home was built by a Scottish immigrant named Jane John G. Bruce in 1876. With its stunning Victorian architecture and beautiful windows, the home was once a pinnacle of opulence within the small Michigan town. But as time passed, the Bruce Mansion garnered plenty of spooky history. In 1881, a fire nearly destroyed all of Brown City, but the mansion was mysteriously spared. In the early 1900s, a woman named Cynthia Smith purchased the mansion and later died in it. It was around this time that Bruce Mansion began serving as a host site for local funerals. Talk about eerie. In the 1920s, a man named John Walker and his wife moved into the mansion. Walker's wife left him in 1925, and he was found dead inside the home less than a year later. There's no official cause of death listed on his death certificate. Legend has it that Walker hanged himself in the highest tower of the mansion. With its string of on-site resident deaths and its history of a funeral parlor, the Bruce Mansion has been a hotspot for paranormal exploration throughout the years. Although now it's a private residence, amateurs and paranormal investigators alike have reported plenty of frightening activity throughout the house. Growls have been reported from the basement, human apparitions have appeared, and eerie voices have been detected by those brave enough to have entered the mansion. Alright... Ever since the Japanese tsunami of 2011 killed more than 15,000 people, those living in the affected areas have reported countless sightings of tsunami spirits. Even when there's no rain, cab drivers have been hailed by soaking wet passengers, believed to be the ghosts of victims still drenched from the disaster. One cab driver in Ishinomaki picked up a woman with soaking wet hair despite the sunny skies, who asked to be taken to the area of the city, now abandoned due to the tsunami. After a moment of silence, she asked, Have I died? And when he looked back to look at her, there was no one there. Very cool, very cool. Kentucky. 
Hebron Cemetery has been known to have ghosts walking around. I've seen one walking from the cemetery to the church across the street. This happened around midnight. It's in Bullock County, Kentucky. I've got some creepy stuff going on with my 10-year-old. First off, I have had paranormal experiences since I was a child. I talk to spirits, and they come to me. I know how they work, but my 10-year-old has been seeing spirits or something like that recently. She hasn't been sleeping, and I was trying to get to the bottom of it. She told me finally today she's been seeing stuff at night. I thought, okay, mine is playing tricks on her. But then she got into details. She sees a specific woman. The woman looks like any other woman and is very nice to her. She speaks to her when she gets scared at night and has used my voice to calm my daughter. She sings to my daughter in my voice. Then my daughter talks about how I start sleepwalking. I have never sleptwalked. She saw me in the bathroom and said something to me, and I looked at her and didn't acknowledge her and walked to my room. Then again, she saw me in the hallway. I ignored her and went to my room. Then again, she saw me crouched by her door in her room, which is freaky. Again, I do not sleepwalk. My five-year-old, almost nonverbal son has started having nightmares. No one else in the house has seen me or whatever this is pretending to be me, just her. Any idea what this could be? I think it's a spirit pretending to be me. I don't know why or how, but this just started. Nothing has changed here. We've been living here for five years now. All right, another Kentucky story. I've got a potential skinwalker story. This one's really short. I like to stay up at night and watch TV. One night, I was watching TV and heard a baby crying outside my window. There weren't any babies nearby. I also heard tapping on the window as well as breathing that wasn't mine. All right, here's a lighthearted one. I don't know if it's lighthearted, but it's, it's a little less scary. The Dancing Plague of 1518 was an unexplained event that saw people literally dancing themselves to death. Occurring in Strasbourg, Alsace, which is now modern-day France, the outbreak began July 1518 with a woman spontaneously dancing in the street in Strasbourg. After collapsing from exhaustion, she took a break before resuming her dance frenzy. She danced for days, and within a week, she was joined by another 30 people who uncontrollably danced with her despite injuries and exhaustion. Authorities were notified and attended the scene. Civil and religious leaders came to the conclusion they were dancing, uh, that more dancing was the cure thus setting up guild halls, musicians, and professional dancers to prolong the unexplained phenomena. This decision only grew the problem and saw around 400 people join the uncontrollable dancing over the following weeks. By September, the compulsive dancing started to diminish with many, as many as 15 deaths a day at the peak. Explanations for the Dancing Plague of 1518 consisted of the victims being possessed by a supernatural force. However, 20th century research into the mystery suggests it could have been food poisoning from rye flour in bread that contains a fungal disease which is known to cause convulsions. American medical historian John Waller 
shared his thoughts on the plague over several papers and suggested the dancing plague was a form of mass psychogenic disorder. Very cool. The Black Shiny Entity, submitted by P. Rajput to My Haunted Life 2. I've had so many things of a paranormal nature happen to me over the years, starting when I was a very little girl, up to last year, when I turned 60 years old. I don't know if I'm sensitive to these things. Whatever they are, or I just lived in places where activity was already there, and I'm tuned into it, the weirdest thing I've ever seen was in broad daylight, around 2 p.m. My husband and I were watching TV, and my mother-in-law, who lived with us, came out of her bedroom and went out to the front porch to sit on the porch in the sun. She had left the door open to the bedroom, straight across from where I was sitting on the couch, the living room. I looked down at my little Yorkie, Benny, who was sitting on my lap, because he suddenly jerked his head up. When I looked up, across the room where he was looking and shaking. I saw something that to this day I have never seen before on any paranormal program or heard stories about. The thing was about five feet tall. It was solid black and shiny. You could see that it almost had a head, although it wasn't really shaped like a head. But from the shoulders down, there were no arms or legs. It was just a solid mass of shiny black inky looking thing that looked like it was just standing there although you could see no legs where the eyes should have been there were none but there seemed to be some kind of intelligence to it because I could feel the hate emanating from this thing at me the strange thing is it did not scare me I looked at it for at least a minute and my husband who was sitting to the side of me in the recliner had his nose in his computer and when I said his name look at the doorway he didn't look up, and so when I looked at him and said his name again louder and looked back, it was gone. That's when I started to be afraid, because I could not get that thing out of my mind. I thought about it day and night. After that happened, all sorts of weird, strange things started happening in my house, not only to me, but other people as well. It's been four years since I saw the black shiny thing in my house, and I can see it today in my mind as clear as the day I saw it. I don't know what it was or what it wanted, but after my husband and I divorced, I stayed in the bedroom, and I had lots of things happen to me to the point where I stopped sleeping in the bedroom for good. I have a lot of other stories, doppelgangers, black shadows, noises, bad luck, and I mean really bad luck, all happening within days. My son and his wife and stepdaughter have also seen a lot of things here too and finally moved out because of the activity got so bad. All right. I have a lot of experiences this last week, and I'm not sure what to make of it. Me and my mom both heard knocking our bedroom walls the same night my her brother passed. My boyfriend woke me up, freaked out, because he heard pounding. The next day, I was telling my mom about it. What happened, and she said, you heard it too? Mind you, we live in separate sides of town. At my job, my manager gave me my break, and she was scared. And she was scared. I have Alexa, so I don't use the radio. She said it went static. A lady's voice came through and said, Just know I miss you. 
and the music started playing again. I work at a daycare, and so nobody was talking. The kids were sleeping. The cherry on the cake was today. My boyfriend texted me again, freaked out. We have a microwave that in order to turn it on, you turn the knob and press a button. He said when he was in the kitchen, he heard it beeping and saw the knob turning all the way. He left for work. I came home two hours later with our daughter. I left her water bottle on the stove and went to get it. I noticed our gas burner was on with no flame. Figured he bumped it. My daughter's bedtime is where I started to shake. We have a baby monitor. No big deal. When it goes off, the picture gets fuzzy. Sometimes she had her stuffed animal, and I noticed it sliding down the pillow. That's when I saw it start to crawl and head popping up towards my daughter, who woke up. Very freaky. All right. In 2014, Harvard University discovered that two books inside their library, which were from the mid-1880s, were actually bound together using human skin. One of the books, named Destiny of the Soul, was written by Dr. Ludovic Buland. In the book, Dr. Buland wrote a note which explained, a book about the human soul deserved to have a human covering. Around 25 years ago, my husband and I were in an old mining town in Colorado that had little shops and cafes. All buildings were very old, and we went into an ice cream parlor. I went to use the ladies' restroom. It was just one private bathroom where you lock the door behind when you enter. As soon as I entered, I felt a strong presence that didn't feel good. As much as I wanted to run out, I really had to use the bathroom. So I tried to calm down and talk to myself, and I'm just being silly, because it's an old, creepy building. I can't really explain it, but I knew in my head something weird was going to happen. I washed my hands, and then as I went over to dry them, I got the weirdest thought in my head that was telling me to turn around and look at the faucet. It wasn't an actual voice. It was just me somehow knowing and telling myself I needed to turn around and look at the faucet. I stood there with my back to the faucet for a while and finally got the courage to turn around. I stood staring at the two handles, and slowly they started to turn till the water was fully on. I froze. I was so scared. It was like watching someone turning the handles, but there wasn't anyone there. I ran out of the bathroom so fast and ran to my husband. He looked at me and asked what was wrong and said I was pure white. I told him what happened, and he encouraged me to tell the people working there. I went to the cashier and started saying, You're probably going to think I'm crazy. I told her the story, and she yelled to her boss, Hey, Steve, your ghost is back. I asked if that happens a lot, and she said yes. Yes, it does. We got the hell out of there. I wish I could recall the name of the place, because many people have asked. It was truly the most terrifying experience of my life. All right, welcome back. Shadow Man story. Growing up, I had a not-so-nice father, to say the least. Some would say he was pure evil. I won't go into detail, but he did hurt me and my mom a lot. Anyway, from ages 9 to 12 or 13, we had a visitor. He was definitely a shadow man, as he was, well, made of a shadow. We would see him start at the end of the hall nearest the living room every time. He would walk down the hall into my younger sister's room. They were very young. The oldest 
of the three, nine years younger than I. If you followed him, he would not hide his movements. He simply walked into the room, checked out all of them, and then disappeared. I figure maybe he was not maleficent being, instead a protector drawn by horrible things my father did. One night, my mother walked in to check on the kids. The baby was crying, so she picked her up. She felt a hand on her shoulder and described a very serene calm that came over her as the shadow man stood over her with his hand on her shoulder. As it would happen, when we moved states and away from my father, the shadow man stopped coming. I hope someone has some positive answers for me here. I get scared. I will freak myself out with bad news. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old that was really... That was a real surprise as my partner and I were planning a vasectomy and decided to leave it at just two kids. Anywho, nine months later, I went to labor around 4 a.m.-ish and decided it was time for a nice hot shower because my last labor was over 17 hours. I expected a bit of a wait. I walked out of my room and into the kitchen, which is separated by our dining room, by a big archway that extends to the roof and is about two millimeters across. I was met by a broad-shouldered frame of a very large man whose head reached the top of the archway, and shoulders were so broad he completely blocked my way past him. He was the biggest shadow person or spirit I have ever seen, but not the scariest. I saw no facial features or other details, just his black silhouette. We both just watched each other without moving for a minute or two. I was surprised and disturbed because I didn't understand why he was there, and I still don't, but calm and not particularly afraid. Eventually, he seemed to dissolve into black sand and just drifted away, and my son was born very quickly, eight hours later. The nurses kept telling me to wait, and he wouldn't be here for a while, but he arrived about half an hour after I got to the hospital, whether they said he should or not. He was still the most stubborn, headstrong, intelligent kid, and when he was born, he was awake for hours, checking out everything. I've never seen a newborn so alert. His personality is so strong and unique, I feel like there's some reason I saw this apparition, but I have no idea what it is. Has anyone experienced something like this? Should I be worried, or is this big fellow my son's guardian angel? He is so fearless, I felt like he needs a strong guardian angel to keep him safe but I always worry it means something else less comforting. All right. Hi there, members. I've been a member in here for a little while now, but I've never posted before. I've had a few paranormal experiences in my time, and I've decided to share one of them. The following experience was not a good one at all. So a few years ago, after suffering from some personal issues, I got into some bad drugs. In that time, I met some truly wacky and also some amazing people. One of those people was a white witch. She told me some real crazy stories about people and spells and curses, and even showed me her hundred-year-old piece of male root that was handed down to her by her family over generations of witchcraft. I was concerned that it would go down a bad path, that I would go down a bad path of addiction, and asked her if she could put a spell on me that would prevent me from be becoming badly addicted or a daily user. And she replied, no, I could only put a curse on you to stop that. To which I stupidly agreed. 
yes, do that. That was my biggest mistake. The white witch then lit the end of the Malay root and made some hand gestures while chanting her curse in some unknown language. She then said, it's done, and blew out the root and asked me to breathe in the smoke. From that moment, life would not be the same. Over the next few weeks of drug use, the atmosphere in my house became really dark. Objects randomly started to fall over, especially late at night, and dark shadow figures would lurk in the dark corners and dart down the hallway. At night, when my partner and I were in bed, they would peer over at us through the doorway or just stand over us while we slept. Even my partner could see them and feel them. It didn't matter what time it was, but we both always felt like we were being watched by really negative beings. One night, while we were watching TV, my youngest daughter, who was in bed asleep, walked out of her room into the hallway and towards us. At first, we thought she was sleepwalking, but quickly realized something was wrong. She was mumbling a strange language, and her eyes were wide open and completely black. We were really shaken up. We quickly tried to snap her out of it, and when she woke, she just turned and walked back to her bed with no memory of what just happened. My partner and I started to realize the severity of the situation and knew we were in trouble, but it only got worse. I don't know about you, but as a child, I used to wonder what it would feel like to be possessed. And even though it would be a cool and fun experience, even thought it would be a cool and fun experience, then it happened. And boy, was I wrong to think that. After weeks of seeing and feeling the presence of a dark shadow figure, I experienced something that still scares me to this day. One night, around 1 to 2 a.m., I unknowingly woke from my sleep and walked out my front door slamming it closed, which partly woke my partner up. When the door slammed, there was one white parrot, which started screeching loudly and circling above my head. I continued to walk around three kilometers away to the local beach, and the parrot continued to circle above me and followed me the whole way there. Thanks to the parrot screeching loudly above me, I finally managed to snap out of it. But by then, I was already up to my chest, deep in the water, walking out to sea. I was absolutely horrified, but managed to turn around and walk back home, and the parrot then disappeared. By morning, I woke my partner, mentioned, and they mentioned that she heard the door slam in her sleep, and heard the parrot going crazy, too. I also remembered the event, but from a different angle. I remember looking down at myself while walking to the beach. What freaked me out was that I watched the whole event unfold through the parrot's eyes. I had been possessed. My partner and I then decided it was time for action. We spoke to a spiritual advisor and bought certain crystals, which we placed around every entrance door of the house and also did a massive sage smudge stick ritual around the house. Things started to get better from there, and my drug use stopped as well. It took some time, but then one night we walked out the front, out front to have a smoke and were terrified by what we saw. The front of our house was completely surrounded with what looked to be around 100 or more dark shadow figures staring at us. Out the front on the verge, we have a bright street light, but tonight we couldn't even see our neighbor's house across the road as it was completely black. 
It was frightening, and even my partner could see them. It was like they were waiting to get in the house again, but couldn't. The protection crystals and saging had worked to cleanse these demons out of our house, and finally life started to get back to normal. This was one of the more most horrendous experiences of my life, and would never wish something like this onto anyone. It was truly traumatizing. All right. This one's a short one. So I'm a lucid dreamer. It started like 11 years ago. And I saw a TikTok that you're not supposed to ask the people in your dreams what the time and date are. If you do, the responses are really unsettling. I tried it the other day, and the person that was in the dream got pretty mad or worried when I asked for the date and time. Basically saying, you're not supposed to know. Don't ask again. It's dangerous. All right. The summer of 1996, I rented out a room in the upper apartment of 4 Kirk Street in Petersboro. This house is a beautiful old Victorian red brick home that stands on the corner of Kirk and Rubridge Street and has multiple rental units. I was subletting a room from student friends who left for home during the summer months but wanted to keep the apartment for the following year. My friend told me it was haunted, but I didn't take her seriously. First month, it was quiet. Then after an incident in which a bat came in through an open window, one night, we decided to keep all the windows shut from that time on, since most of the windows have no screens. I can't speak for now, but then the windows had no screens because they were old. Had to be pushed up with a gap to let air flow in. Not long after the bat incident, a swarm of flies appeared covering the bottom of every window in the kitchen. I didn't notice them until they were there. They covered all the windows in the kitchen. This was odd because they couldn't figure out how they got in in such large numbers since we have been keeping the windows shut. They were on the inside of the windows. About a week after I awoke alone in the house, as my housemates were at work, while taking a shower, I heard a loud boom in the bathroom that sounded like the shelving came crashing down. But when I pulled back the curtain, nothing had moved, even though the noise was right there in the bathroom with me. I moved to the kitchen to quickly eat breakfast when a radio came on full blast in the attic, spontaneously from my housemate's room. She was at work. I walked to the door at the bottom of the attic stairs to turn it off, but the minute I lifted my foot to make a step on the bottom stair, the radio switched off. There was a heavy wooden door at the entrance of the attic that was pushed open and left against the hallway wall. There was a carpet underneath it, and it was snug. No one ever used that door. It was always left pushed against the wall. I left for my summer class and came home early to find the attic door had been slammed tightly shut. It stood out because it was never closed, and no one had ever been there but me. I called my housemaid at work and told her I was leaving. I refused to go back, and because it seemed whatever was happening was escalating, so I packed my stuff and moved in with friends for the remainder of the summer. When I told my friend who moved back into the following school year, she said she told me that it was haunted, and her experiences were her CDs would fly off her dresser top across the room. She would pile them back up, and they would fly off again. 
they would hear a disembodied voice sternly shout out the name of their housemaid that slept in the attic while they were all watching TV in the living room, and there had been orbs sighted. My fiance, my fiance also saw an orb one night in the hallway when the lights were off. We were in my room, and he was facing the doorway, which had glass window above it. He said he saw a white ball zip past, then linger at the doorway and zip past again. Right? My mother rented this small ranch-style home out back in 2001. The house is very old, and in fact, it had been abandoned before our landlord bought it and rented it out. The house was so small, we often referred to it as the hut. I don't know. I don't know the details, as I was only 11 years old when we moved in, but apparently the house was abandoned for eight years after an old woman who previously owned the house had died in it. He never told us how she died, but all he told us was that she died, and that was it. When we first moved in, I didn't get a good feeling. It felt as if someone was watching me through the window from the inside. I felt that way every time we pulled up, whenever we were home for the night or fixing to come inside. Even when I was playing outside in the yard, or I was hanging out with my new friends that lived next door, I felt like someone was again watching me from the inside of the house. And I knew it wasn't my mother or my older brother, as they both hid in their rooms, while my younger brother played outside with me. One day I was exploring the yard, and I found two cement slabs on the grass just randomly hidden throughout the yard. The name Sherry and the date 1969 was obviously written out on the slab, while it was still fresh cement. And if I remember correctly, there was another slab that read, Frank was here, and I believe that was dated 1969. I thought it was pretty cool and frightening at the same time, as I knew there was something in that house, and perhaps Sherry was her name. Spring break rolls by, and these boys, these two boys that attended Hamilton Middle School were walking by the house, being nosy spectators. I guess they were shocked that someone had moved in, and they started talking to me about the house. I don't know how true this is, because the boys will be boys, but apparently they found a way to get inside when it was abandoned, and allegedly it was once a two-story home, half of it was torn down and condensed to one story. They apparently got into the attic, where there was old furniture, and they knew about Sherry and Frank because apparently one of the walls in the attic, there was a carving or something that was written in ink that read, Sherry and Frank, best friend forever. Again, I don't know what the credibility behind these young men were telling me, because I was too scared personally to go up in the attic myself. The new friends I made next door, their mother told me she was also always felt freaked out by the house, and she also confirmed that Sherry and Frank were the bestest friends while Sherry lived in the house, and Frank lived in hers. I still don't know the history behind Sherry and Frank, and I would desperately love to find out and know, but for years within the house, there lies a precious story of friendship, possibly love, that I would like to know. Also within the house, Sherry, if that's who she was, would steal things, and they would show up in the most unusual places. Sherry also frequently turned on the bathroom sink, and would turn it off every time I ran in there to see what was going on. My mother even swears up and down that she would feel something or someone sitting at the front of her bed every night, which is why she always kept her TV on, and to this day she will sleep with her door open. 
If you happen to know anything about this house, please let me know because the mystery, the mystery has been killing me for the last 18 years. Alright, looks like these are a bunch of haunted house stories. There are many stories about this house, how this house became haunted. The one I know is of a girl who was gifted the house from her parents for graduating school. Soon after, they were unable to afford it and had to sell the home. The girl became so upset, she went into the garage and hung herself. After her death, the family tried to sell the home, but kept experiencing paranormal events. During open houses to sell the home, weird things would happen. Unplugged radios would turn on by themselves, scaring potential buyers. Neighbors would find cement blocks in different positions. There are also random stories of people going into the home and waking up in the garage or the backyard. Maybe someone else can speak on this part. Eventually, the family went to get help from the local church and had their monks come out to the home in hopes to rid the paranormal activity. Not too sure what happened, but I assume it did not work. The monks said, are said to be the ones who put up the random boulder rocks in front of the house. It is some type of feng shui to keep the spirits in the home and to not harm anyone. The monks agreed to take over the home as long as no one was to move in there. The house is still unoccupied, but has a caretaker. Many have found out about this home and tried to go up to the door and knock, but there are now cameras, bright lights, and an alarm will sound if you go past the front gate. I'm sure many people can add to this, but I wanted to share my info. Alright, children of household witnessed sleep paralysis and night terror until later years. Then, three-year-old daughter of the family, who moved into the house in 2004, had an imaginary friend named Paula, a girl who she said fell off an apple tree and died years ago. And then another she befriended who was an older man who used to prune the apple trees. The daughter was given an apple tree at birth, but there was only there, that was the only apple tree in the garden. Then there was a man she said was the Thursday man because he came every Thursday, who she drew and showed her mom. The girl said most days he didn't do anything, then other days he turned scary. The family wasn't religious and thought nothing of it until the girl rushed to the mother and said a man had just walked through the walls with a broken neck. The mom then grabbed her kids by the arm and ran out of the house. They had someone who was an exorcist come in to see what was up. The family didn't think it would work, but they knew him personally, so let him in. The man said, one, don't put mirrors in the corners. Two, there's a demon portal in her room. The exorcist closed the portal, and the girl never spoke of any of her friends and the other guys again. The family was shocked about it and still passed it on, more of a joke. However, their house sat upon what was an old apple orchard, and in their 1920s home was the head house. They never told their daughter again about it until she was much older. She said she knew, though, doesn't believe in ghosts or anything special, just was a sweet coincidence. The house is also known for smoke alarms that go off in the middle of the night and lights that dim and blink in the guest room and living room, fresh blood stains in the basement, and a feeling of unease.
All right, this one's called They Are Real, submitted by Patrick Mateo to Weird Darkness and My Haunted Life 2. What I'm about to tell you occurred when I was just five years old. I'm 53 now, but this event sticks in my head like it just happened yesterday. All I can say is shadow people are real. My mother and I had flown from the U.S. to England to visit my family. This was the first time meeting my aunt and her husband, and we would be staying at their house for about two weeks. Aunt Lily and Uncle Vic had never had children, and when I arrived, they had fully loaded toy chest waiting for me with all sorts of goodies. The two items I immediately clocked on were a metal Batmobile and a Batman flashlight that would some supposedly shine a bat signal on the wall by the way of the plastic bat cutout covering the bulb. I went nuts with this thing, running around the house trying to find a quiet, a quiet dark spot so I could summon Batman with the light. Now I wasn't one of those kids who was afraid of the dark, never had been. I was also not afraid of the thing under my bed, or whatever it was that lived in my closet. I figured if I left them alone, they wouldn't have any reason to mess with me. Some kids had dogs or cats, and I had both. But I also had the thing under my bed. Yeah, I know. Weird. Anyway, it finally got dark enough after dinner for me to finally play with the flashlight, and I found the perfect spot. Just inside the front door to the house was a small hallway that had a door to the sitting room off to the left a short path to the washroom on the bottom floor, and the stairs leading up to the bedrooms. Once the door to the sitting room was closed, I found myself in pitch darkness. No street light, no bleed over from the TV, nothing. Mom, Aunt Lily, and Uncle Vic were in the sitting room talking, so it wasn't like I was alone in some random part of the house. Out came the flashlight, and damn, it really shined the bat signal on the wall. I found I could make the bat fly around by twisting the light and soon had it flying up the stairs to the next level. At the top of the stairs, a real handmade cuckoo clock was fixed to the wall, and to the right was the way to the bedrooms and restroom. I got the bat to light up the cuckoo clock fairly well and had been quietly enjoying my new toy when it came around the corner. Now, I'm not sure what the status of spandex was in 1972 but this person came around the corner from the bedroom area looked like he or she was sewn into a body hugging black spandex suit that is how i describe it today but back then all i knew is it was a black shape this wasn't all fuzzy dark gray kind of shadow flat against the wall or lacking form at all like i said it looked like a person in a spandex suit from head to toe. It had three-dimensional form, and I could even make out fingers on its hands. After walking to its spot in front of the cuckoo clock, this thing turned to face me and stood quietly with its feet shoulder-width apart and hands out at its side. At this point, I, was, I wasn't scared. My flashlight hadn't moved at all, and I was just trying to figure out who this person was. I thought I had met everyone in the house, but as I stood there, staring at this new arrival, I realized although this thing appeared very solid and real, I could just make out the cuckoo clock on the wall through its chest. That's right, I could see through it. Not clearly, but still, it was there. Just as I was about to call out to my mother, whatever this thing was took a step towards me. 
I actually saw its foot move down to the first step, and it got closer to me. Not only that, I could still see the cuckoo clock, but now I saw it through his, this thing's head. As it took a second step down the stairs, my five-year-old brain broke. I screamed bloody murder, the flashlight went one way, and I turned to run in the other. The sitting room burst open, my uncle picked me up and demanded to know what's wrong. Man on the stairs was all I could get out before I went airborne. My uncle had thrown me towards my mother and took off up the stairs. I guess I should mention he was a London Metro police officer and wasn't used to taking any guff from anyone. Mom and Aunt Lily moved me to the kitchen, where there was a back door we could use to escape if need be. We waited for what seemed like an hour, but it was most likely, most likely very few minutes before Uncle Vic returned. I found nothing, he said. Windows are still closed and locked. Front door is still locked. Nobody hiding in the closets. I guess whatever it was is gone now. He then said, I'll leave this with you, ladies, and left us in the kitchen. He didn't seem upset, just a little defensive, maybe. My mother and Aunt Lily got to work assembling a small pile of wooden matchboxes, cotton balls, gauze, as well as some food. That's when they introduced me to the concept of leaving gifts for the wee people in the garden. That night, each night for the remainder of my stay, we would make little beds using match cotton matchboxes, gauze, and cotton, and leave them in various places around the back garden, along with a saucer of milk and some crackers and bread. This was apparently to appease the creatures that Aunt Lily thought may have caused me to see whatever it was on the stairs that night. I'm not saying it worked. I've actually never seen another entity like that again, but each morning when we would go check the beds, as well as the food, would be gone. It didn't hit me until later just how quickly my mother went right into the whole let's make beds for the little people mode without hesitating. It was like she already knew. Over the years, my mother would occasionally ask me to tell her what happened that night. What did I see and what did I feel? Each time when I was finished, she would say something like, that's exactly what you've always said, as if to confirm the whole thing wasn't a made-up story from the mind of a five-year-old. So yeah, I still believe in the little people that inhabit gar gardens all over the world, and fairly convinced there might be something under my bed, and half expect to find, to finally see the thing in my closet each time I go to grab some clothes. But I'm grateful, kind of. I've never seen that shadow person again, and that is my story. Alright, cool story. Alright. Warning, drug use. The other day, we had a parents' night. We took in a concert and had late, nice late supper and spent the night in an Airbnb. At the room, we took some trips. In my first trip, I met a figure that appeared to be an Egyptian figurehead. The entity seemed to be sizing me up. I interpreted it as a gatekeeper. Then I came back to this reality. After relaxing in a hot tub for a good hour, plus we went back to the room and vaped up another trip. This time I blew through the psychedelic portal. While in, I asked, who is the master? As in the Zen master. The response was, there is no master here. We are all equal, all part of the same. Then came a pure entity and bright white light. 
and a feeling of bliss, joy, and love. Other than that, the experience defied description. While in, my body had a cough or a throat clearing or something and started to come out, but the group of light beings in my presence said, no, stay here. It was very welcoming, and I responded, okay. I was able to stay in what I can only describe as a continuum, the nexus, or even heaven. I always seem to get a pretty good time dilation, and this seemed like hours. When I returned, my wife said it I was gone for like 15 minutes, probably. But it was probably the, like the longest trip I've ever done. It was my fourth one. They have only been like 5 or 10 minutes, which every time they seem like longer. But it was phenomenal. Alright. About three weeks ago, I was driving on I-75 South from Kentucky to Florida, and around 4 a.m. I had to pull over at a rest stop to get some sleep. I had been driving about 10 or 11 hours, and my eyes were tired, and so was my brain. I leaned back in my seat and noticed a woman in the passenger side mirror standing there staring directly at me. It was about 5 a.m. Everyone who was at the rest stop was either in their car, asleep or resting, not walking around. It made me very uncomfortable the way she stood there for so long just staring at me. I would look away, then check to see if she had left, but each time she was standing directly at me, she was staring directly at me in the passenger side mirror. Then I saw another figure appear. This was a boy or a young man. I could only see his head and appeared translucent as if it were coming out of the passenger side of my truck. I looked for what must have been two to three minutes trying to make sense of whatever I was seeing. A woman standing about 15 feet away behind my truck staring at me and now a glowing head of a boy appearing to come from the side of my truck. I thought, right, then okay, I really need to go to sleep. My eyes were tired and playing tricks on me. This isn't real, but yet I could see them both so clearly. At one point, I decided to lean over to the passenger seat and look out the passenger window to see what what it was and I was seeing when I looked back out of the passenger window nothing was there they were both gone then there was nothing that even closely resembled what I saw in the mirror so I sat back down and as soon as my eyes could see the mirror again they were both there again plain as day as though they were never moved I repeated checking out the window two or three more times and the same thing each time looking out the window nothing but they were there in the mirror each time the boy whose head was coming directly out of the side of my truck never faced me directly he kept his head looking straight off in the direction that was to my left a couple of times he began moving his head as if he were going to face me but then would turn away and smirk and look off in the other direction all this while the woman who was faceless continued to stand there staring at me about 20 minutes had gone by at this point and I knew I was seeing couldn't be real and thought I just needed to go to sleep so I decided I would capture a quick video of what I thought I was seeing and look at it in the morning when I had rested then it would all make sense that's what I thought anyway when I played the video the next day I saw exactly the same thing as I was seeing the night before but not only that when I listened to the audio about halfway through I heard a female voice saying I feel angry then immediately after, a male voice saying, dead. I was, and still am, completely freaked out. I listened to and watched the video over and over trying to debunk it. 
and make some kind of sense out of it, a rational explanation for it. But the more I listened to the more voices I could hear, and the more things I noticed that simply were not right. I googled how to amplify audio clips from my phone and downloaded a program called Audacity that allowed me to send the audio clip to my computer so I could listen closer and try to make out what I was hearing. I do not have any experience in EVPs, but I can clearly hear a female voice and a male voice speaking to me for probably two minutes of the three-minute video I took. The first time I hear a voice is at one minute, nine seconds. It's a female saying, we are here, and it sounds like she repeats it. And a voice whispers, can you hear me? Right before I accidentally honked the trunk horn, the female voice continues speaking for about 30 seconds, and I can't make out everything she is saying. But at 1 minute 47 seconds, I hear a female say, sicko. At 2 minutes 16 seconds, I can hear a female clearly say, I feel angry. And then the male voice says, dead. The voices continue what is mostly inaudible for at two minutes, 28 seconds, I hear a female say what sounds to me like, do you like the sound of my, then a sound begins like snoring or growling. A female says, hurry up. And the rest I cannot make out. When I was recording the video, I could not hear any of that. Also, I hear what sounds like static that comes through out of the video. The static gets loud, then completely quiet again. While I was there and recorded the video, it was completely silent other than the frogs or crickets. Cool story. I'd like to share a story with you all and get some opinions on what it means. About six or seven years ago, my husband and I were in bed sleeping. He sleeps on the left side of the bed and I sleep on the right. I woke up and my husband was still sleeping. He was on his side facing me. When I looked at him, I saw what I thought was my cat laying on his hip. As I reached over to pet her, I immediately realized this wasn't my cat at all. The cat figure kind of slid from my husband's hip to behind him. It then slowly changed, shape-shifting from its cat-like form to a creature that walked on two legs. It was more like a shadow. As I walked to the edge of our bed, more of these creature-type things came through our bedroom door and began walking towards my side of the bed. During this time, it looked as if my bedroom was lit up with stars all over. For a few seconds, I was kind of frozen. As these figures got to the bottom right corner of my bed, I just screamed and clenched my husband, burying my face in his chest. My husband woke up and asked me what was wrong and I lifted my head, everything was normal again in our room. It's hard to describe what the creatures look like, but they didn't look human. Right? Very cool. This poster says, My brother found this picture on his phone. The picture is, looks like a chair and a door and a black, smoky looking block in front of the door. All right, my brother found this picture on his phone. This is his room, his door, his chair, etc. But he has no memory of taking this picture. It freaks the both of us out. We have no idea what it could be. I asked him what he thought it was, and he said, a shadow person. 
He said he has come into contact with shadow people. He has seen them face to face. We're a family of empaths, so could that have something to do with it? Is this because we can sense things others can't? Is this because we can see and hear things others can't? Are we more, more vulnerable because we are empaths? We both feel its energy when we are in his room, and I fear that it's studying him. From what I have researched about shadow people, when they come face to face, it's supposed to mean they have an interest in you. They usually don't like to be seen. Something took this picture. My brother didn't. I didn't. This is not a fake or stupid Photoshop picture. So where did it come from? Alright. Hello everyone. So it's 1.22am and I'm awake and anxiety high and I'm about to explain why. I just started this new job, home health. My client lives 40 minutes away from me so I stay with her over the weekend. I really do believe her house is haunted. The first night I stayed, it was kind of late and I was walking into the living room and I could feel someone walking behind me, and I stood, and I still hear floor creaking like someone is walking. She called me multiple times asking, who is in the hallway behind me? I would say, no one, it's just me. Last weekend, it was early. I was outside in the back, and she was still asleep. The back door was closed, and I saw it open by itself. Now, I'm a very light sleeper. It doesn't take anything to wake me up. I woke up to her calling her son saying, someone is knocking on the back door. I'm like, WTH. I got up and I said, what's wrong? She said, someone was knocking on the back door. Did you hear it? I said, no, honey, I didn't hear anything. Are you sure you weren't dreaming? She said, no, someone was knocking. I would, I'm like, I would hear it in the back door is all is down the hall from my bedroom. The echo would have woke me up. Now she got a sheriff sitting out here watching. These people are very religious church-going folks, so I don't think they're, they believe in the paranormal, and I don't want to say anything accusing their house of being haunted. What do I do? I feel bad for the cop. I can't seem to figure out what I encountered last night, and I think I might be losing my mind. For some backstory, sometimes when I can't sleep, I go sit out back at the family graveyard. I know it's not like everywhere, but here in Chestnut, in Chestnut Mound, Tennessee, you're allowed to bury your family right on your property. My family has owned this land for generations, and there are two family cemeteries here. One of the cemeteries is more recent. This is the one where I usually hang out. It is well maintained, and all the graves have nice, upkept grave houses. Then there is one that is much older, a few hundred feet behind the newer one. The old grave houses have mostly rotted away, and the headstones have faded to the point where they cannot be read anymore. It's separated from the other cemetery by a row of trees. I don't keep the old one up as much as I should because I don't really know who's in those graves, and they're so old and dilapidated it would be a lot of time and money I don't have to restore them. Anyways. While I was out at the new cemetery, I heard crying com coming from the old one. It sounded like a man, like a very real man, not faint or ghastly at all. Peeking through the tree line, I couldn't see much, but I saw a glowing light like maybe that of a candle. There shouldn't be any other people in this lot. It's private property, so I'm a little put off by seeing someone there. 
but I'm not the only descendant of the people buried there. Maybe he is older. Maybe he knew them and can tell me about them. I always carry an old pistol my papa gave me when I'm out in the wooded areas of these hills, just in case. I wander into some wildlife that I would rather make lunch that would rather make lunch than friends. So I wasn't too frightened by the idea of approaching the man I heard. But when I came through the tree line, I felt my heart fall into my kneecaps as I was frozen by fear and confusion. He, it wasn't a man. Hunkered over, scavenging through one of the graves under the old decrepit grave house was a creature like I've never witnessed before. It looked like a coyote, but was humanoid like a werewolf. I looked, it looked emaciated and mangy. Its head was mostly skeletal with barely any skin left. When it turned to face me, I realized what I had seen earlier was not a candle, but the orange glow of the creature's eyes. I could still hear the crying, only it didn't seem to be coming from the coyote thing. It raised one of its paws to its mouth, revealing long, sharp, bony finger-like claws. When I tried to move, it screeched out loudly at me, making it sound like it was being torn limb from limb. I, con- sit- I considered shooting it, but it didn't move towards me yet. I didn't want it to because I had no idea how fast it was. It just stared at me a while before slowly moving on to digging through another forgotten grave. When it was no longer looking at me anymore, I ran as fast as I could back to my house and locked all my doors. I'm still not sure what that was. When I was a little kid, my mama, a very traditional Melungeon woman, said that we make grave houses to protect deceased loved ones from a creature that devours lost souls. She called it a dagagwa. She said they come from humans who are cursed by their unforgivable acts like cannibalism, rape, slavery. They're cursed to roam the earth with insatiable hunger, looking for souls to eat up. Was what I saw a dagwa? A dagagwa? Were the cries coming from it, or the souls it was eating? I'm thinking it's time to clean up the old graves and give them new houses. Very cool. Very, very cool. And that concludes the stories that have been submitted on the Facebook page. What do you think? Pretty cool? Pretty scary? Alright. With that, we're going to take a short break. And close it out. All right. Very cool. Thanks for submitting to Facebook. Um, Very cool stories. I have posted them on our site, on our Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz Facebook page um, for everyone to read. Um, If you want to join the group, it is Paranormal Stories parentheses spooky shiz so be sure to join us on there it's a good way to connect with me and send me your story and be sure to invite your friends and give our podcast five stars if you like it all right that's gonna do it for tonight and of course as i always say stay spooky my friends